This podcast is brought to you by, by, by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets. Welcome back to Civic Tech in Africa podcast. My name is Natsim Tekwe and I'm so happy to have you here again. So today we're doing a little crossover. We are hosting this episode in partnership with the Bethesda Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship, who are a session partner at the Civic Tech Innovation Forum happening between the 13th and the 17th of September. Uh, as you might have heard in the last episode, I will not be hosting these episodes alone. Jason Bygate is today's co-host, and I'm so excited to have him here with us. Uh, Jason Bygate is the co-host of the Talking Tech for Good podcast, powered by the Bethesda Center, and he's also the head of innovation, tech, and data for development at Capacitate, uh, social solutions. Uh, hi, Jason. Hi, Nati. Good to be here. Nice to have you uh, as a co-host uh, for this uh, second episode of the second season. Uh, now, for today's episode, we are talking accountability and transparency their DIY way, but more specifically about how youth can get a voice in the corridors of power. In today's episode, we are looking at how a Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean initiative, Open Pali Zimbabwe, is taking it upon itself to hold the government accountable and how the initiative is using social social media to foster engagement between the youth and the government. Munyaradzi Dodo, who is the project officer at Magamba Network and is joining us today. Munyaradzi is responsible for the Be The Media project, an initiative that trains young citizen journalists on how to use new media to express themselves. We're so happy to have them here. Uh, I'm so delighted to have this conversation, especially at a time when young Africans are disenfranchised in so many ways. Uh, so let's get started. But right before we start the conversation with Munyarati, uh, Jason, could you give us a, a little background into the work that you do at Capacitate and, and the collaboration with the Bethesda Center on the Talking Tech for Good initiative? Thanks, Nati. I'd be happy to. Uh, so yeah, I work, work for Capacitate Social Solutions. And really, we're a social enterprise that supports civil society and social investors to be more efficient and effective in delivering social impact. And largely, we focus on technology, data solutions, and strategic advisory. And this work that we do has brought us into contact with the, the team at the Bertha Center, and that we work quite closely in the, the same area. And through a range of conversations around the importance of, of effectively using technology to, to change the conditions for, for young people on the ground, uh, we developed this concept for Talking Tech for Good. And really the objective of our podcast is to help organizations across civil society to better use technology to achieve their social objectives and improve the, the outcomes that can be delivered um, specifically for young people, but I think more broadly across uh, civil society as a whole. So that was really the seed for, for, for the podcast that we, we now produce. Uh, we have uh, an episode that uh, is produced uh, pretty much every month with various guests and uh, various subjects that we delve into. Right, right. Uh, the other co-host on the Talking Tech for Good uh, podcast is Nuvu Masego. Uh, we spoke to him earlier uh, via voice note about the Bathe Center. Um, hi, Nuvu. Could you tell us a bit about the Bethesda Center and the work being done by your organization? Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to tell you a little bit more about ourselves. So uh, we are the Bethesda Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Uh, we are a specialized unit operating at out of the UCT Graduate School of Business. And we are a social impact center dedicated to advancing social justice across the continent. And we work across four key areas. We have five portfolios, but the fifth one you could think of as a cross-cutting theme that underpins all our work. And those areas are healthcare, finance, 
education and the team that, that I lead and work amongst is the youth development portfolio. And uh, across all of those portfolios, our work is somewhat similar in that we work to educate, we work to catalyze, convene and conduct research into innovative work happening across the space. Within the youth development portfolio, our whole mission is to get young people to advance to either further education and or employment. And we do that with sort of two key audiences in mind. One is to youth themselves. So we have projects that directly relate with youth. We are a somewhat um, new portfolio. So our work, particularly that relates to direct engagement with young people, is situated in, in the Western Cape, in the community of Philippi specifically. But we love opportunities and are always exploring opportunities to expand that work. So please do check out our website. I'm just doing a little bit of plug here. Our comms guy is listening onto this and I know he'd get upset with me if I didn't plug our work. And, and the other piece of that is to youth development organizations themselves. So this Talking Tech for Good podcast series speaks to that, to that need as well. And um, my partner in crime, Jason, can speak to you a little bit more about that. But what was the, under, the key behind that was just how do we look to assist NGOs with some of the, or those operating within the social impact space uh, with the focus on youth development to improve their online offerings and, and to deal with some of the issues that they're experiencing right now, especially those that have been exacerbated by COVID. Thank you for that brief intro. Could you tell us a little bit about where people can listen to the Talking Tech for Good podcast? Right, great. So you can find us on Spotify or rather you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast or Iona FM. That's Iona FM, Spotify, Google Podcast or Apple Podcasts. You can also visit the talkingtech.org.za website. You can also just Google Talking Tech for Good and, and our website will pop up. You can visit the Bertha Center website. There's numerous ways to get a hold of us and we're always hungry and excited for opportunities. You can even uh, send a direct message on Twitter to the Bertha Center Twitter account and it'll come straight to us. Thanks again for giving us this opportunity and we're really looking forward to taking the conversation forward. Thank you, Lufuyo. As I mentioned before, the Bertha Center is partnering with the Civic Tech Innovation Network for one of the sessions at the CTIF. And Munyaradzi will be one of our speakers there. Hi, Munyaradzi. Hi, how are you guys? Fantastic. Before we get into it, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, and how you got interested in using technology for accountability and youth engagement. I actually got into tech by accident. Uh, I think a, a few years ago, one of my friends was working for a mobile network operator and they were rolling out 3G in Zimbabwe. And he just took my phone, added me to the one of the testing platform where I got free internet for almost a year. And that's how really I, I got interested. I started out uh, blogging. My nickname is Munya Blogo in Zim. So that's how I started figuring out how to do, how to work on blogs and literally just going on YouTube, figuring stuff out, setting up websites, downloading WordPress. I'm a super WordPress uh, fanatic and geek. And we also run a WordPress community in Zim. So that's how I, I got involved. And everything I've learned so far was mainly through YouTube tutorials and YouTube videos. And then 
I joined Magamba and uh, I've been learning on the go and on the fly and trying to figure out things as we go, uh, where we don't have a particular solution or where we don't have funding for something. We just try to figure out on our own or create an event, do a hackathon and try to create uh, solutions for ourselves. Monia, I think that's really fantastic in that it really illustrates the importance of having access to the internet and access to a range of tools. And I think for me of particular interest is is the way that we can start to bridge the digital divide and the value that it can bring to to young people in particular. Right, right. And and you you mentioned the Macamba there, uh, Munya. Tell me a little bit about the the work that uh, the Macamba Network does. So Magamba is a youth organization in Zim. It's been around for over 13 years. Oh, well, we started out as, as an arts organization, supporting artists, supporting uh, musicians, doing creative forms of activism. But, you know, as the internet progressed, as young people got involved with the internet and millennials started driving the, the, the adoption, we found ourselves doing more social media work. You know, Zim is very closed off and, you know, the media space in Zim is very closed and it's controlled by the state. So social media became the outlet for most of our projects, which were critical of the government or satirizing the government. But then with that, there was also a need to build infrastructure. There was need for to build websites. There was a need to get involved in elections. And we found ourselves gradually uh, becoming more tech-oriented. Uh, so where we needed a solution, we ended up having to come up with a way to, to innovate around it. For example, like in the last elections, we wanted a way to enable citizens to, to get what we call V11 forms, which are like the, the residue, the results from a particular polling station. And we wanted the citizens to come and send those to us. And so initially we just used WhatsApp and then we figured WhatsApp wasn't very, fun- wasn't very user-friendly for us. So we ended up having to build a platform, do a hackathon and try to figure out how that would uh, look like. So by accident, we ended up having to go the civic tech route. Right. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, in preparation for this interview, I was reading an article about how uh, the Makama Network is giving young Zimbabweans a voice in the corridors of power, right? Just yeah. please, t- can you tell us about the significance of working with young people in that capacity and, and just how, how much of a difference that makes in, in the bigger scheme of things? That, that's probably one of our biggest goals. And I think in Zimbabwe, the political landscape, we don't have what normal countries have, like a parliament TV. So we saw that as a gap in terms of like engagement. When you're trying to get young people to engage in, to sign up, to register for elections, you know, or to get involved in a particular conversation. And then they're alienated from the process and they don't, actually don't mm-hmm. know how, what happens in parliament. It, it becomes very difficult. So we, we in, in 2008 and 2018, there, there were elections and young people didn't participate very well. So we were wondering why that was. And then we had a focus group discussion with a bunch of young people. And essentially they just said, you know what, this governance stuff and uh, political stuff is very, very boring. We prefer (laughs) our information in bite-sized chunks. We prefer it on the go and we prefer it in the means and mediums that we are used to, which is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if we, and we want it, we, and the language that is used in parliament is also very, very boring for someone who's 15 years old. So we don't understand this jargon. So we came up with this concept, essentially started our as a Twitter handle. So we would send 
the journalists into parliament with just a phone and they would go and tweet everything that was happening in parliament or attend the portfolio sessions. And over time, it's the, the handle grew into this big, big popular handle that allows young people to access what's happening in these secret corridors of power in real time and to engage with parliamentarians. And so when Facebook launched a Facebook live stream, uh, we added that to the, to, to the tools as well. So we started doing Facebook live streams and that also gave young people access to these corridors of power mm-hmm. and a front row seat into parliament without having to, you know, you tune into TV or, but they could just access parliament on the go. Yeah, I was saying that's that's amazing. I think it's 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 fantastic the way that you've been able to use those those contemporary channels to um to provide better access to the information and visibility of what's going on. Yeah, so it, it started off as just a simple simple tool to use to get young people to participate, and then over time we had to build our own tools. Our first hackathon was sponsored by Facebook, so they had a Africa wide hackathon that we're doing. Then they came and sponsored one of the hackathons in Zim, and we hosted that. And then we got addicted to building things on our own uh, and yes. building solutions. Love, love, uh, to hear, love to hear about solution addiction. And I think just to follow on to that, I mean, what, what would you say is the, the biggest impact that Open Party Zimbabwe has had since its inception? I think one of our biggest, our proud moments was when the Speaker of Parliament was, I think it was chastising the MPs for not coming to Parliament well-read. And he, he said... Uh, you know you can get this information online on Open Party. You can download all the bills. And he wasn't even referring the MPs to 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 the Parliament website. It was like you know, and even if you don't come to the previous session, you can you can watch the videos on the on their on their channels and stuff. And so we thought for us that was like a huge a huge endorsement. And I think also every time we go into Parliament, going into like the portfolio committee sessions, that those that's where the actual work of parliament is and so giving people the front row seat to that i think a few years ago we we, we had the finance and public account session where a lot of corruption was unearthed and a lot of uh, details came out and a lot of journalists ended up using our information you know to do deeper investigative stories and it just blew up the whole the level of corruption that was within certain government institutions and i think for us that was a huge deal because we were front row and center in in being able to make sure that that happens and people got unfiltered access to that information right and, and i mean i i don't know if, if i'm correct but i i've seen the open party initiative so it's this one that we're talking about here is Open Party Zimbabwe, but there are other Open Parties out there. Am, am I right, Munya? Yes. So we, we initially we started off in Zim, and then one of our partners, after Somalia was Somalia had its one of its elections, our partners thought that it could be very interesting to have an Open Party Somalia. So we went to Somalia, hmm. and the the Somali version has a different name because Somalia Somalia doesn't they don't use English, so it's called Kalfadi. So that's the Somali version. And then Zambia, our, our northern neighbors, they were interested in a, similar, in, a, in a similar initiative. So we partnered with bloggers of Zambia and then they adopted, we kind of franchised the model, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we package it, we tell them how the format works, what works well in Zim, the branding. We do a simple WordPress website for them. And then we go in there and train them on how to do parliament reporting and how to build tools if 
if and when necessary. Right. And then they localize it for themselves. How's, so right how's, now, how's been that experience? I mean, of, of organizing that and just like, you know, making it bigger than what it is because, I mean, operating in one country is its own challenge, but operating in multiple countries, I'm sure those, there, there are different challenges associated with that. Yeah, yes, there are different challenges, but there's also incredible opportunities. And I think for, for one, I think the challenge is Africa is obviously, you know, we're divided with different languages, mm. different political levels that are happening from country to country. But at the same time, what I've realized is that a young person in Somalia and a young person in Zambia and a young person in Zim, there's very little that differentiates them uh, apart from like maybe the language. But otherwise, they're experiencing exactly the same things in different degrees, disillusionment with their leadership, unemployment. But, you know, the, the physical locations are what are the difference makers. But otherwise, I feel at home in Zambia as I do when I go to Somalia or as I do when I'm in, when I'm in SA. And I think mm. at the core, we're all experiencing the same thing. And I think that's, I mean, you're, you're raising an important point in terms of this, the similar experience that young people are having and the, the similar challenges that they're having, um, both in terms of playing a role in informing um, the decisions that affect them, uh, but also in getting access to the things that they need. What would you say some of those, those common barriers are for young people to access um, the things that they need and to be able to use what, what technology can provide? You know, access to internet, like that is that to me, if internet could be made cheaper, more accessible, uh, I think that would create more opportunities for young people to participate. Mm. And I think the, the cost of data across the continent is very high and it, mm. it's, a, it's an inhibiting factor. And then you have ISPs who are, you know, creating these world gardens around certain apps. So you have WhatsApp bundles and Facebook bundles You're trying to milk that level of, uh, of, mm. of, of access and limited, and limited access. But I think if more can be done to, to make internet more accessible in remote areas and rural areas and build more community networks, maybe that would drive down the, the, the cost of internet. Because I do think the monopoly that the, the ISP have is, 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 is also an inhibitive factor, but mm. I think the cost can really go down if we have more community networks that are shared and that are run by communities instead, instead of by big corporates that are more That's, focused on. Amen yeah. to that. So it's definitely one of my, uh, my contentious areas that, that really annoys me. Um, but I think what's, what's, what's great about the work that you guys are doing is, is just in being able to show what having that access can do. And I think for me, in looking at what that digital divide actually entails is, yeah, it's definitely about access, but it's also about what you do with that access. And I think what you guys have, have re shown really, really well is what value can be delivered once you have that access and in leveraging the tools that are available. I mean, WordPress is a great one and, you know, a range of other tools that can be used to give services to young people, to provide young people with, with a voice and allow them to participate more broadly, both in politics, but also I think across the, the economy and, and even socially. So I think it's, it's really great the way that you've been able to, to leverage that access to achieve something really positive and productive. No, thank you very much. This year, we've, we've been more focused on trying to get uh, more people connected. And I think one of our pet projects this year is building rural kiosks. So we've gotten a couple of raspberry pies and we're building kiosks where we, instead of 
people having to go on the internet, we can just load up our content and deploy a, a network in a rural community and they can download videos and audios for free without actually having to go to through the internet. And I think for us, we're very passionate about more young people having information at the tip of their hands so that they can make informed decisions for themselves about their communities. And I think that's where that's where we're going and that's where we're focused on going forward. Those initiatives sounds great and we'll certainly connect more on that and looking at how we can extend digital services into, into communities. I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity around um, leveraging technology for broader value. But I think, yeah, I just wanted to, to find out how can people contribute to the work that you're doing um, with the network and, and Open Poly Zimbabwe? Oh, well, I mean, they can reach out to us at Magamba Network or reach out to me to munya at magambanetwork.com or reach out to me on Twitter or reach out via the Magamba Network social media handles. I mean, we're very open to partnerships and to, to collaborate. We also have a creative hub in Zim, so we, we're very open to people coming through, collaborating and building new synergies and where we can add value more than willing to, to jump in. And like I said, in all the all the areas that we've that we're operating now, we it's through building consensus and partnerships with local organizations that are operating in those areas. And our platforms like the Open Parley platform is we, we're trying to make it more open and free that so that any anyone who wants to take that up, take the initiative up in their country can just reach out, take the model and deployed wherever they feel is it may be useful so that's, that's excellent yeah. i think i think for me it does highlight the real important opportunities that um, that we need more of and and that is the function of collaboration um, especially within the area of um, of youth development some of the challenges that we face are so vast that we certainly can't solve any of the problems without um, some really intensive collaboration and, and sharing of resources and knowledge and experience so, so that's fantastic that you guys have got such a strong um, focus on partnership and collaboration. You're going to be one of the speakers at the Civic Tech Innovation Forum, right? And uh, I'm just going to ask a question. The theme is DIY Africa, right? The space that you, you are in right now, the, the space uh, of youth empowerment, etc. What, what does DIY Africa mean to you? I mean, I love that theme. Uh, and I think for me, it says just start where you are with what you have. You, you do not need a lot of things. If you have a cell phone and access to the internet, you can start an initiative or you can start uh, working. Like, like I said, Open Parley started off as a Twitter handle. And our first website was a free WordPress website. And then we only paid like 10 bucks for the domain. And then <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and then that was it. Literally, we were, we were launched and then everything else came later. You can do it yourself. You can start from where you are and go. Awesome. I, I mean, that's a, such a great example for me, just in the value that um, some of the evolving technology platforms can provide. And then there is a lot of focus on producing coders and data scientists. But, you know, the, the progression of low and no code platforms represents just such a fantastic opportunity for that function of DIY. So you don't need a high level of technical skill. It's, it's mm -hmm. not expensive, but you can really start to build out solutions and leverage what is that, you know, that, that deep understanding of what the problem is to find solutions and to assemble solutions. And I mean, that's the really exciting thing about the initiative, the DIY um, Africa initiative is there's, there's so much technology that can be, can be used low cost, accessible to solve some problems really, really quickly. So I think um, the work that you guys have done and using tools that are available and accessible and then certainly evolving into 
more um, sophisticated tools, but there's so many tools that are accessible and, and affordable that we can start to use immediately to solve problems. It's so easy though for us to say, you know, just do it, just do it yourself. I, and I know that there are some young innovators who are, who are still starting out in the innovation journey right now and could be facing some challenges in doing it themselves, Munya. As somebody who, who start, I mean, who is an innovator himself and might've had some challenges along the way, what, what words of wisdom do you have for people who are, yes, doing it themselves, but are facing challenges right now? Well, I mean, nothing says challenge is better than trying to do something in Zimbabwe. You can do it. And, and you know, if you, if you get stuck, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to, to make yourself vulnerable, to reach out, to ask questions and to look stupid. You know, you can, there's no such thing as a, a stupid question because once you set it out and someone else imparts their level of knowledge to you, then you're better off than where you were. So never be afraid of, to ask questions and always be inquisitive. And I think small incremental changes are better. You know, a year from now, two years from now, you will be amazed at where you are by just making small, small adjustments to your, to your project or to your, to your invention. And don't be afraid to fail, you know, fail fast, fail forward and you learn from the mistakes that you that you make and most importantly don't be afraid to make the mistakes uh, because i think we only learn from them so you're going to be speaking at the unpacking diy enabled methods and approaches in african civic tech session right on the 15th of september at three o'clock central african time you'll be joined by other speakers abigail selman omar bakari alexander tekola jd bothman nelson olani pekum uh, who are going to be speaking as uh, on this topic as well. But thank you so much for, for making time for us, uh, Munya. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, guys. I'm looking forward to speaking at DIY Africa on the 15th of September and to be joined by all these cool, dope innovators from across the continent. I am so excited. I'm going to be front row and sit to myself. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I can keep pushing those boundaries. The, the, the best thing to do is you guys are doing really, really great work and I think it's it's really important to to keep doing it. So yeah, congratulations on all that you've achieved so far. Okay. Thank you, Jason, for partnering with me as well today as a co-host uh, in this in this episode. Thanks, Nati. Yeah, always happy to to add my two cents um, and, and ask those uh, those stupid questions. I'm, I'm pretty good at the stupid question part, but yeah, happy, to, <laughs> happy to contribute and um, and hopefully we can start to drive more innovation and, and leveraging technology to, to make positive social change. So thanks a lot for having me. We look forward to some, some more discussions in the future. All right, uh, please look at the, the episode description to see where you can find the Talking Tech for Good uh, podcast with uh, Jason Bygate and Luvio Maseko. Uh, thank you everyone for being here. As you would have heard in our conversation with Munyaradzi earlier, the Civic Tech Innovation Network in collaboration with GemLab will be hosting the Civic Tech Innovation Forum and GemFest respectively this September. The conferences are happening from the 13th to the 17th of September and it will all be happening on Wolver. Wolver is an event hosting application. Please go download it and don't forget to join CTIN and GemLab for what promises to be an amazing conference. See the episode description for more details. Do follow us on all our social media platforms for more opportunities and resources for African innovators.
Welcome back. Today's thought on innovation comes from co-founder and CEO of Nairobi Java House, Kevin Ashley. The journey is forever. Do not ever let yourself be like you have arrived. Because if you do, someone else will come and run past you. You always have to keep going because you haven't reached the mountain top yet. That's your innovation thought for today. Stay with us. We'll be back to say goodbye. That concludes this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast and please see the episode description for all places you can follow and engage with the Civic Tech Innovation Network. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets.